Previously on God Frequency. The source of the VD is... Yes? What? The FOB team. Of course, the FOB team. Wait, what's the FOB team? Oh, for God's oh, sake. I know this one. It's the Fraternal Order of the Barbarians. Or maybe the Fractured Optical Bananas? No, no, that, that ain't it. Uh, the Foundation of Bribery? Freedom of Bananas. I could really go for a banana right now. Fired over talkative baboons is what you two will be in just a second. There you go with the excessive disciplining again. We're just brainstorming you. You can't blame us. Your mysterious announcement of three-lettered... Fruity. 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 <laughs> Easy there, old-timers. Don't shoot! I got a pig leg! <sighs> Pipe down, you two. <laughs> no need to go waving them cannons around, lads. You know, we're not looking for a fight here. Now, now what were you saying, stranger? We were saying, if you boys are looking for the FOB team, you found it. Gentlemen! Gentlemen, no need for the hardware. We're unarmed. Oi, no guns here. I requisitioned sidearms for everyone, but Peter said we blew our capital expenditure budget for this raid on the fake ID tags. I told you, if you'd be wanting to expense them, I could make room. Yeah, but then we'd have to sacrifice their depreciation and have our affiliate LLC repurchase them from... Ah, quiet, you two bean-counting nincompoops. I was just about to say that. Yeah, now why you rap scallions down here? Uh, we were uh, expecting the under uh, underground foundational... Uh, John's help me out here. Oh, right. Um, It's this building's annual earthquake dampening support structure inspection. <laughs> right, very important for the safety uh, of everyone. You're not fooling anyone. We heard you talking about our VD situation. Uh, now that's supposed to be a secret. No one was supposed to know our special cure for VD. How did you all get to know that VD used to mean? You know. Well, back in our day, it didn't mean anything else. Yeah, there was a Voyager Direct store back when we were in our prime. <laughs> and just how long ago was that? Uh, about 400 years ago, you hooligan. It all started when old Grainfield here needed to go see a, a personal medical specialist over in the next system. Thanks for flying me over, Berryman. Even if it is costing me a crate of real prunes. <laughs> I got you over a barrel, Grainfield, now that Inskeep here failed his license renewal. Anyway, my fault. That whippersnapper giving me the test wouldn't speak up. Inskeep, he was shouting stop right into your right ear. Right, and you were shouting look out into my left ear at the same time. Not my fault they couldn't hear him. Now, be quiet, you two. I I've got to merge into the jump point here. Okay, here we go. You sure you know how to get there, Berryman? It's been a long time since you navigated a jump point. Oh, uh, 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 shut up, you old codger. I've got my navigational aid system running. We'll get there. You see, I turn left here at this quantum eddy. Oh, you and your fancy gadgets. Yeah, which way now, smarty pants? Uh, left again. Now, let me guess. Left at the next junction. All right, you are. Well, 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 look who's trusting my fancy gadgets now. That's not your nav system, you idiot. You left your jump drive maneuvering signal on. Yeah, by the time these two shut up and let me get my nav system worked out, we'd been driving around in circles in a temporal suspension loop for about 400 years. 
We crashed hard into the Empire Direct Marketing Department offices 13 floors up, middle of the night, so no one was really hurt. And it was a good thing for Edie that we did. They had left some soft and limp sketches for a new fruity Odie bar campaign on the wall. Yeah, we convinced them that people like us, you know, tough. Leathery. Wrinkled. Uh, we could reach their audience much better. You, you might have seen us on the spectrum. Oh, these kids today with their twiglets and their their, their hydra froze. Oh, that stuff's guaranteed to bind you up and wear you down. What, what old folks need, like us, is a healthy, delicious snack from a simpler time. Yeah, yeah people like us uh, need a snack that'll keep you keep you going when parts of you just ju- just stop. Yeah, we need something to help us push through our toughest binds, no matter how long it's been. Uh, Rough going. Uh, we, we need a fruity OT bar. Actually, I probably need three or four of them. Uh, yeah, yeah, packed with prunes and, and raisins, blueberries, you know, wheat bran, a blend of the finest alfalfa, and of course, oats. Goats? When do they start putting goats in? He said oats. Concern at all? I don't want any goats in my fruity OT bar. Fruity goaty bar? When did they change the name? Hey, 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 pipe down, you two. It's a fruity Odie bar, and it'll keep you regular. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about, yeah. Yeah. Old-fashioned, powerful relief from from, uh, troubles caused by modern food. And for your whippersnappers out there, you try try that fruity nutty bar, but I don't know why you'd want to. Yeah, it's made from twigs and berries. (laughs) And big old salty nuts. Who wants to put them in their mouth? Yeah, whippersnappers, that's who. Yeah, we'll stick with the Fruity Odie Bar. It, it keeps things moving. Fruity Odie Bars. Fruity Odie Bars. <laughs> ah, let me guess. Yeah, then the bigwigs upstairs told you that ED's biggest competitor was VD. Well, we knew how to fix that. People don't like to be reminded about problems with their kibbles and bits. Yeah, the suits upstairs gave us a blank check to create a campaign that would wipe out VD forever. Yeah, and it was all top secret. Yeah. So how did you guys find out? Yeah, after that first meeting with the suits, we never talked again about it with anyone. Yeah, well, except for that one phone call. Uh, FOB team. Uh, oh yeah, uh, yes, yes. Um, hello. Um, I'm Executive Smith from the ED Pipe Strengthening Division. Yes, yes, that's it. Um, I guess you boys will need some upgraded plumbing for your new offices. Oh, do we ever? Let me tell you, Sonny. Those fruity Odie bars worked as advertised. Splendid, splendid. I'll set the work order straight away. Now, tell me, what is it exactly you boys do down there all day? Well, it all started when old Granfield there needed to go see a personal medical specialist in the next system. My portrait thrusters won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. 
My last nav check put me at the range point four. This is control. Be radial. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Greetings, citizens. You're tuned to the guard frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 48. It was recorded on November 22nd and made available for download November 25th at guardfrequency.com. I'm Jeff. I'm Lennon. I'm Tony. Well, what do we have this week, Tony? And this week's Squawk Box, we catch up with an old friend of ours. In CIG News, we bring you everything that's happening around the UEE, including our weekly crowdfunding update, the anniversary ship sale, and how you can take good care of your crew as we discuss healing in a first-person-based game. In this week's Nuggets for Nuggets, we talk artificial gravity. And finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in the conversation. Sits and says, we're always on the lookout for talented individuals to come and join the crew here at Card Frequency. So if you've got a creative itch that needs scratching, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email with your experience and what you'd like to bring to the table to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Please remember that all positions here at Priority One Productions are voluntary. This is a labor of love, but we do look great on a CV or resume. We've added a new feature to our website, guardfrequency.com. No, it's not the donate button. It's a Patreon campaign button. The donate button's still there, though. Don't worry. After nearly a year of clockwork releases, we're finally confident enough to throw our hat out on the sidewalk and see what you throw in. Of course, we're happy to share our labour of love with you each week free of charge, but it is nice to get the occasional concrete reminder that you folks out there in the verse love listening to the show as much as we love making it. We want to thank the folks who have already chipped in, and we hope that you consider making a regular contribution. The more support we get, the better show we can make. That takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get to the show and see what's coming through the squawk box. Any of you boys need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. Your switch is normal. This is Tony saying welcome to the Squawk Box, everyone. After this week's prelude, it should surprise no one that this Squawk Box is a bit of a trip down memory lane. The Scorpion ISR light fighter has been picking up a bit of steam lately. The fighter's manufacturer, Textron, has announced that Honeywell has been selected to deliver the jet's twin turbofan engines for an eventual production run. The TFE 731-40AR-3S model has more than 90 million flight hours on record, spread out amongst 13,000 installed units on small commercial aircraft throughout the world. In keeping with the fighter's off-the-shelf, low-cost, easy-maintenance philosophy, choosing this engine as the exclusive power plant for the fleet seems to make a lot of sense. But this may be one of the few exclusives for the Scorpion, given that the other design feature was maximum flexibility for a variety of missions, the fighter's avionics, weapons, and sensors will be almost completely a la carte. In a recent appearance in Washington, D.C., Scorpion was decked out in an ensemble consisting of components from over a dozen different aerospace and defense manufacturers, including Fleur, a company who has the unique privilege of employing one certain community manager of a certain best damned space sim podcast ever. Of course, all this is just a fun exercise in air war theory crafting if nobody buys it. Well, in addition to having some fans in National Guard cadres throughout the U.S., the United Arab Emirates, Malaysia, Brunei, the Philippines, Indonesia, Bahrain, Qatar, and Saudi Arabia are all in early discussions with Textron. Oh, and Nigeria wants a squadron's worth. Seeing as how that oil-exporting country's most modern fighter is a Chinese knockoff of the 1960s-era MiG-21, buying a couple dozen scorpions for training and light attacks seems like a no-brainer. So, this real-world, modularly-equipped, fully-customizable, off-the-shelf airplane might just get cleared for takeoff. That's awesome. Personally, I'm waiting for the variant that has the medical bay. 
it's got an internal bay that'll carry 3,000 pounds. I'm pretty sure you could hook, you could put a lot of stuff in there. Stretcher, life support stuff, no problem. It'll yeah, but does it come in red? Any color. Can I paint it blue and put lights and strobes on it and, and go around and, and be... Uh... Hell, it's got external hard points. You can strobe it up, baby. All right. Put so some I can, I can be air police. Yep, yep. You pull stuff up. You I'm, pull I'm really over. sorry, Tony. Yep. I didn't catch that. How did the sirens go? <laughs> you got it recorded. You can, you can go back and loop that all you want. They, I don't know if there's a video or a still picture, but they had it going neck and neck with a Cessna. Like, it oh, was yeah. going, like, barely 120 miles an hour as it was, you know, just, it was pacing a little Cessna aircraft, so. But you could pull people over in this airplane. Were there any uh, pictures from the DC show? Uh, yeah, we've got links in the show notes. Uh, they, they only had a couple pictures of it. They had stuff hanging from the wings from every manufacturer basically around the world, and, you know, like I said, they, they picked the engines, I think, just because they're long track record, super reliable, and they're all in all of Cessna's other planes, so Cessna knows all of their ins and outs. 90 million flight hours. That engine's been around. So, you know, it's it's off the shelf. It's easily repairable. And like all these little fighters in the Roberts universe. I, I'm surprised that uh, Phillips or GE hasn't approach, approached him. Well, I'm surprised I'm sure. that this hasn't been done earlier. I mean, yeah. it's a yeah. great concept. And, yeah, it just seems silly that nobody's ever thought, you know what, we'll just take all these existing parts, combine them into one easy-to-manage part. And that part is the Scorpion. Yeah. Well, I, I, hopefully it takes off. Like they, they, they're yet to sign their first customer, but the low price, off-the-shelf technology, the wide availability of parts, the ability to integrate electronics and avionics from anybody, you know, so you're not just restricted to buying from American defense companies or Chinese defense companies or Russian defense companies, you know, you just it's plug-and-play for, for anything. It really does make a lot of sense, and yeah, I don't, why, why haven't they done it until now? Have you read, seen, or heard something that you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Now let's check out some CIG news. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach, check your screen, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Crowdfunding update for November 22nd, 2014, 62432000 That's a lot of money. Think of all the star citizenships you could buy with that. Also, nice job, everyone, hitting the mark on Friday. Now we just need the chairman to get on the ball and release that letter in a timely fashion. 657,000 plus citizens and 518,000 members of the UEE, a yet another 6,000 jump in citizens and in members, steady as she goes, unchanged from last week. Let's turn the clocks back to late November 2013. Chris and the devs made a 24-hour broadcast to push... For funding for Star Citizen's original set of stretch goals. The event was huge success, and it's what gave CIG the fuel to go entirely backer-funded. To mark the anniversary of this momentous occasion, not just for CIG, but potentially the future of video game development, there's an anniversary sale being held for all ships, including those limited offers from early in the campaign. In addition to all the old ships going on sale, CIG is also treating us to two brand new ships in the concept sale phase. The Karak... Carrick, Karak, uh, say it however you like it. Carrick. Anvil's Aerospace Premier Explorer and the Javelin, a brand new capital ship only available in limited quantities. On November 28th, 200 of these ships will go on sale in allotments of 50, but they will set you back a wallet-wrenching 2500 bucks. It's important to note that this ship won't be the ultimate battleship for those who can afford it as it will come stripped of all its military-grade hardware. It is designed as a challenge for players to work together with their organizations to outfit them. Okay, what do we think about this? Well, before you jump in, I reckon Tony's probably got a couple of thoughts, and I reckon it's going to begin with the phrase, here's the thing. 
Oh, goody. I love Here's the Thing. It's almost That's, like Andy Rooney on 60 Minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Yeah, that is. That just, yeah. You ever wonder about... Yeah, no, no. Yeah. Here's the thing. All right. It's, and it's a safe bet, Lemon, because, you know, here's the thing. About a year ago, eight months ago about approximately, I went down to Austin and I pitched capital ships as player housing to Rob Irving and to uh, the, the our now our now ex production president wingman. So I pitched this to them as an idea and I got kind of a like not gonna happen sort of a look. This kinda gets there a little bit. Designing, you know, this, this is a capital ship, it'll it's it's functional. You can have it, but it, in order for it to get to its full potential, you gotta work with your team to collect enough resources to actually make it usable. I, I like it as far as it goes. I'd like it to go farther, though, because getting the hull is going to be problematic. There's not systems in place right now prior to game launch for organizations to pool the resources to get a javelin hull. I could, I, I, I sort of, tongue-in-cheek, sort of suggested uh, on our chat channel, our internal chat channel, that we crowdfund guard frequency buying a javelin. And Lennon kind of laughed, ha-ha, crowdfunding and crowdfunding thing, how, how, how very meta. I can't remember exactly what you said, Leonard. That, that was, was exactly what I said. But I, I, it would be nice if they were going to do something like this, design a guild project for you know for guilds to work on as a team-building thing, design a back-end so that the guilds could pool the resources to get one. And I think that's what they need to be doing, or you know, I think that should be a goal when they bring out the javelin again for another limited time, is get behavior. I think it's behavior. Who's working on the website? Is it behavior? It is behavior. Okay, so it'd be, man, two for two. I'm doing awesome. Okay. So if I get behavior to work on a function in the background for pooled bank accounts or pooled UEC accounts, whatever, so that guilds can start combining the resources now to purchase another one of, another round of these javelins. I got it. I got it. I've already solved the problem just sitting here talking this out loud. Set up accounts so that guilds can buy UEC gift cards, contribute the UEC gift card to the guild, and then have a sale sometime next year where you can only buy these javelins or the, uh, for the UEC that's in your guild bank accounts. It's only open to guilds in their guild I and mean, using guild bank accounts. And that'll bring in the cash because the only way you can get UEC in your guild bank accounts right now is to actually send money to CIG for UEC gift cards. That, <clears throat> I like that. I like Make that. It so. Because, you know, frankly, when I see this price tag, I think that, well, only the affluent are going to be able to afford these ships and... God knows I'm not affluent. Here's another problem. Half of them are going to be sold for $5,000 right. by the people that got it for 2500 And I'm okay with the gray market. I, I've, got, I've got no philosophical objection to the gray market. It's, it's, it's fine. It's, you know, the, the people are willing to pay more, and CIG, through their me the mechanic of this limited-time sale and, and small allotments, are making it so that those people with low-latency connections and $2,500 in their credit card available, those are the ones that are going to get it. And if you need time to marshal resources or to get your organization together to pool money or to do a crowdfunding campaign for the crowdfunding game, you're going to pay more and you're going to go, you're going to pay a lot more on the gray market for it. I just think CIG ought to have a mechanism in place where they can capture the value of it and make the organization ones make them sell them for 3000 bucks worth of UEC credits. Well, I, I do agree with you sort of. Uh, what I think is at this particular stage, I don't think there's any need for that. I don't think that with where we are right now in the release cycle with Arena Commander and the org system being what it is, that 
right now is the ideal time for guilds to pull together to start working on a ship. I think that this is something that would be right at home in the actual Persistent Universe once it's launched, once it's live, and they've already said that you will be able to buy these ships with credits in the game in the final release of the Persistent Universe. So I kind of I kind of agree with you, but then CRG have also sort of already covered that base there. I think at this point, with various things like the UEC that we get at the moment is just... Uh, gift from CIG in order to test out various parts of the store and so on and so forth. I think that, you know, if people were to start pumping that into these capital ships, it would kind of be a grand waste of CIG's time at the moment. I don't know, Lennon. I, the, the reason I don't know about uh, that is because obviously to buy these kinds of ships will take millions and millions of in-game credits. I think Tony's idea has a better chance for not only to prove a concept about getting the guild system fleshed out more, but also set up a trigger or a mechanism for future endeavors by the guild as well. I mean, let's face it, right now when you go to the guild, there's really not much that we're doing with it. There's, you know, little that we can do. And I think it's still early in the alpha stage, but I'd like to see more of what they have planned for the guilds. I even uh, wrote in a question about, you know, guild paint jobs and, and can we set up, you know, that kind of... Uh, you know, getting more to what our our stuff is going to be like. Yeah. So, Wait, gen- gentlemen, gentlemen, a guard frequency first. Jeff, you took the words right out of my mouth. Thank you. And again, I, I would agree, but being on this slightly different side of the fence here, yeah, it will take millions of credits. But there's no reason why we can't do what Tony is proposing. But in game, there's no reason why we can't buy UBC gift cards. In the persistent universe, but why would why would I why would I do that once the game goes live when I could work it in game and, and give credits uh, that I earned in game? That's your choice. That's- I, I think well, but I think the advantage of doing it pre-launch is having a project to work on as a guild before you can play the game together. It's a it's something it's a it's a team building exercise to work on and goals to work forward and work toward prior to being able to work together in the universe for it. It's a good shakedown too for guild organizations. Like, is this actually going to work? Can we find ways to work together? Can we solve problems and conflicts together? Can we make decisions as a team to better ourselves before we actually launch into the persistent universe? It's a trial run. It's for it's a shakedown not only for the back end of the guild system but also for just your pals. Is this guy a jerk or not? I'm gonna I'm gonna chip in ten bucks and I'm gonna adamantly demand that it go towards a better shield generator and that's what I really think it needs to go to. But the jerks never listen to me and they put it all on guns. So screw them. I'm gonna walk away after I spent my ten bucks and go find a, a guild that will listen to me. I, I think I think it's a good social dynamic as well as simply a good game mechanic. Yeah. Okay. Disagree on the system. Cool. Whatever. Uh, the one thing that kind of made me curious though was the javelin is a destroyer. It's a military-class destroyer, which has had all of its military hardware stripped out for guilds to work on. And then in Around the Verse episode 21, they said that they were working on a civilian variant of the destroyer, which really does beg the question, why do civilians need a destroyer? Well, there's there's all, there's all kinds of things. I mean, you could be running a, a big trading guild, and you need that kind of protection to escort your mass haulers from one jump point to another you stack it full of uh, hornets and you've got your you know your escorts so uh, there's a lot of scenarios i can see that was just one example i i can see the reasons for it 
And, and remember that we're kind of doing the sort of the fall of the Roman Empire kind of a stuff where the power structure is moving away from the centralized government because it's corrupt and tired and weak and stuff. And so there, it seems to me like the, the powers that be would be more willing to allow organizations other than the government who wanted to take the sort of risk involved in covering you know, a newly explored system or transiting to points that have a lot of pirate activity. If companies are willing to take that risk or other organizations are willing to take that risk, the government might be more willing to let them have it because they're too busy, you know, falling apart. <laughs> We're busy over here falling apart. You guys go ahead and do all the things governments are supposed to do here. You know, go ahead and buy a destroyer. We don't Just care. think of the piracy you commit if you had one of these. And so that brings us to this week's community question. Obviously, we here at Guard Frequency have a bit of a difference of opinion. So do you think that being able to outfit the Javelin as a community organization endeavor should be done before the Persistent Universe launch or once it's launched? Let us know by commenting on this week's show post at GuardFrequency.com or on our show's weekly forum thread on the Robert Space Industries fansite subforum. Well, Star Citizen is a game known for not so much breaking the mold, but instead taking the mold firmly in their right hand, opening the airlock, and just tossing it right out into space and doing their own thing. And the latest details on the FPS healing mechanic is no exception to this trend. In one of those game design posts of epic proportions like we've gotten for Death of a Spaceman and the Intelligent Flight Control System comes Healing Your Spacemen, an in-depth guide on how damage will work on a more personal level in the Star Citizen universe. To give a high-level overview, and be prepared for this because this might come as a bit of a shock to you because it kind of models real life here, but uh, your body is made up of a head, a torso, arms and legs. I know, I know, I was shocked, I had to sit down, luckily I had legs, so it all worked out fine in the end. With your arms being further divided into upper and lower sections, and each piece can be individually aimed for, shot at, and damaged. There will be four damage states. Normal, hurt, damaged, and ruined. Limbs that are normal are, well, normal. Hurt means there'll be problems aiming and walking, but otherwise you're still somewhat functional. Damaged limbs are totally useless unless you get them patched up at the nearest cutlass red. Having any limb in the damaged state will make your character immobile, as the pain of a damaged limb will make it hard to concentrate or remain conscious, let alone aiming and shooting. Finally, ruined limbs. Well, it's a bit of a misnomer as ruined limbs are simply gone and in this state you can actually bleed out. Whenever you take damage severe enough, not all the damage numbers are inflicted immediately. Instead, a small amount of them become damage over time and this represents your character bleeding. If the bleeding doesn't stop, then unfortunately you'll be watching your character's funeral and waking up as your next of kin. In order to stave off a visit from the Grim Reaper as long as possible, CIG is giving us several tools. First, you'll be able to visually see the damage. A good eyeballing will give you a lot of info that you'll need to know about your person's condition. You'll also be able to have a health monitor on your Moby Glass or Helmet HUD. And there are always individual health monitoring gadgets that you'll be able to obtain. Should a player be heavily damaged, then there are two ways that you'll be able to heal them, either through field tech or through intensive systems. Field tech devices are gadgets that can temporarily patch you up. They can stop the bleeding, nullify pain, restore a vital system or two, but they can't rebuild tissue. Intensive systems will be found on starships, space stations, and planet-side medical facilities, and are capable of handling much more serious wounds, and can even restore a soldier back to full health. Because intensive systems require a lot of power, you won't be able to patch someone up to 100% health in the field. So after any injury, a trip to the proper medical facility is always recommended. And finally, a few words from Ilphonic. While it may seem complicated, we feel strongly that the system we have created best fits Star Citizen and Chris's vision for the universe. We want every combat scenario to matter, 
The FPS combat in Star Citizen is another important step in the evolution of the game. We think our health system is fresh, and while it may force the user to play a little differently than they are used to, the experience and pure fun it allows is something special. It may take a while to wrap your head around how the health system works, but we guarantee you have never seen anything like it. We wanted to create a smart and special system for a smart and special game. Huzzah. All I can say is hooray, hooray, hooray. Yep, it is. Yeah, this, yeah, this sounds this sounds pretty good. Remember, our listening audience, that this is not a FPS game. It is not Battlefield. It is not Call of Duty. This is a persistent universe where you are playing the life of a star pilot. So, as such, combat should reflect real life. And this is the closest I've seen on any first-person shooter that reflects that system. So, I say good job and well done. I like it, and I think it sort of fits fictionally too, because you're be you're going to be tromping around these thin hulled metal boxes that have to contain air pressure and gravity and, and heat to sustain human life on board. And if you're opening up with a 50 caliber machine gun, that's not terribly realistic. So it kind of creates the almost the need for boarding parties to carry less lethal weapons. And so having this sort of damage state on individual limbs and some flexibility with how much damage you'll take when you get hit, uh, and then the ability for your armor and for the environment to cause damage or to reduce damage, I think all of that sort of fits in real nicely with the mechanic they've described here. So the fiction and the game mechanics are meshing nicely with this. One of the things I really like to see was the fact that there's kind of buried down in the fine print, but there appears to be like that field tech will have diminishing returns. So, you know, you, you may get shot in the arm once and then your your medic patches you up, but as you progress uh, on that map or in that scenario, you know, you're going to have to get a booster shot or whatever because you're going to keep bleeding. And each subsequent application of the field tech won't work as well as the last one did. So that damage over time feel becomes real. You know, you, you get shot once and the guy can patch you up and keep you going for a little while, but you're going to have to take a break and go you know, get it fixed for real uh, before too long. Yeah, and it's important to remember as well that not only can you get damaged by weapons and other people, but if you're stood too close to something that's on fire, you will get damaged from it. If you are too close to an electrical cable that happens to have come loose, you're going to get damaged from that as well. And it really does make you aware of your positioning within the battle, because obviously you don't want to be in absolutely perfect health and just sit a bit too close to wire, and then you're, you know, you're having to be patched up by the nearest physician. And also, another thing that was sort of, it wasn't really buried in the small print because there was a whole video about it, but um, one of the, yes, one of the things that really made me sort of like sit up and pay attention was the the fact that if there is somebody who is damaged lying in the middle of the battlefield, you will have to go out there and drag them to safety. Now there are countermeasures that have been put in place so that if the person being dragged doesn't want to be moved, they can cancel the action. But generally speaking, you know, somebody would have to give up shooting in order to go out, grab the person, and drag them back somewhere safe before they can be patched up. So when you go out, if you were to take any damage, you are not just, you know, making your team one gun short because you're no longer able to fire, but the person who has to go out and rescue and the person who has to patch you up to make sure you don't bleed out, you're you're potentially taking out three sets of firepower from what is possibly one stupid mistake. And I think that the risk-reward level there and how high the stakes are is going to make for some really interesting gameplay. 
Agreed. I, I, I hope that they develop personal shields and that kind of stuff to enhance maybe, you know, lasting a little bit longer in a firefight. But remember that everything has got to be balanced correctly so that everybody has the same advantage. But I think that it will change uh, the way people approach combat instead of just spamming a checkpoint or something, they'll, they'll be a little bit more uh, cautious. Yeah, because your next, your nearest spawn point, if you do completely and utterly die, is going to be your next of kin, or at worst, an intensive care facility on a starbase that's going to mean you're not going to be able to just jump back in with like a moment's notice. And even if you were lucky that it happens in your star system, it's still going to take you a few minutes to get to wherever the action is. You know, if you happen to uh, respawn, as it were, on a Cutlass Red after being out of the action for a couple of minutes, you're then still going to have to run all the way from the Cutlass through to wherever the battle is. It's not going to be like your Quake style of thing where, you know, you, you die, you respawn, you can run in, or, or heck, even uh, even the Battlefield games, you know, you never spawn that far away from your objective. So even if you discount the fact that you're going to be useless taking out three members of your team you're not going to be able to get back in if you die there are proper repercussions to the boarding actions that you're doing and it could all go horribly horribly wrong due to one tiny mistake and I think that the pressure that is going to naturally be put on people to make sure that they're performing correctly and doing their job properly uh, again it's just going to lead to some fantastic gameplay I do worry a little bit, though, that even with this sort of graduated damage system and the ability to visually have feedback as to you are being hurt, you should stop doing whatever stupid thing you're doing right now. I worry that this is going to become, at some point, a bar to people even attempting this type of gameplay. There's just too much on the line with the permadeath or even the the expense and time and, and, and energy getting patched up that it might be just too much for most players to deal with. I'm looking at this right now. I think it's a brilliantly designed system. Then I'm putting myself in the position of, would I ever really feel like taking a chance on A, boarding another ship, or B, being boarded? No, I really don't think I'd want to. Number one, I don't like first-person shooter games anyway, but number two, the stakes are just so high. There may need to be, maybe Jeff's suggestion of personal shields or something like that, some way to make escaping the situation more doable rather than having to slug it out. Uh, and, and possibly having those terrible consequences. Our organization is a search and rescue. I mean, that could put even the non-combatants at risk. Yeah. Uh, unless there's some way to readily identify us as, as a, a neutral party or something. <laughs> We're just here to save everybody. <laughs> that is a very good point that you raised there, Jeff. Is that is there going to be some sort of in-game, inter, I was going to say internationally, intergalactically known symbol? Like in a war zone these days, if you see someone with a big literal red cross on them, you know they're a medic, you, you tend to leave them alone. I hope that there's going to be something similar to that. And going back to what Tony was saying about how you wouldn't even want to risk this, maybe it'll just force people to play smarter. You know, the, the problem with like a lot of uh, games that I find that have open world PvP is that there is no disincentive to just randomly attacking people so firstly you've got the high stakes but secondly 
if you know that your only defense is not just to grab a weapon, but you can go and disable the gravity generators, uh, get rid of all the oxygen on the ship, you know, you don't have to go up against an army of people as a solo captain or even your whole crew don't have to go up against the whole boarding action. If you play it smart and you force them into choke points, sabotage the area, vent the hull out into space, your ship might be a bit damaged, but you can win without even firing a single shot. Well, and that gets all back to risk and reward. You know, even in space, not just in first-person shooter, but if I'm a pirate and I'm about ready to take this hauler, I run the risk of them defeating me and blowing me out of the sky. You know, and all that entails about, you know, death and, and the uh, repercussions from that. So I'm going, to be, I'm going to be pretty choosy about my risk uh, equation so that uh, I know that I'm Risking my literal character's life on this endeavor is going to, you know, net me some some good stuff. I'm not going to do it for, you know, a ton of feathers. But now it's time for the news we didn't use. The $10 treat sale, pens and notepads, and miniature pilots galore. The entire 300 series line is now available for test driving. Hurry, it ends Friday. Law Builder 23, apparel and approach. Kaizen, market breakdown. With all this xenophobia, the Empire may collapse. Someone really ought to keep an eye on that. The latest entry into the Galactic Guide with the Newell. Fan Spotlight, Videos, Volume 3, more talent on display from our amazing community. Meet the CIG Devs, Episode 1's Darian Vorlick. Around the Verse, Episode 21. And 10 for the Chairman, Episode 45, featuring Ambassadors, APIs, and Aliens. We've just gone through the news we didn't use, but there is one bit of news that I didn't see anywhere. Well, yeah, what was that? Where the f*** is the Avenger mission pack? Didn't see hide or hair, Jeff. Nothing, not a word, not a peep. I'm so disappointed. Oh, so sad. All right, well, uh, in lieu of having an Avenger to fly around, I, uh, I, I realized that I had not yet played through the DLC content for... Dragon Age Origins. So oh, wow. prior to uh, my eventual purchase of Dragon Age Inquisition, which I, I will I will be getting that at some point, uh, I've, I've, I've gone back in time a little bit and uh, need to finish up that uh, Dragon Age story. Jeff, what have you been up to? Well, uh, a couple of things. I've been playing Dragon Age Inquisition. No spoilers. Damn it. And uh, <laughs> Elite Dangerous has uh, gone gamma. <laughs> gone. Yeah, they gone gamma <laughs> yesterday. So two weeks before December, or a few weeks before December, we now finally have the release uh, universe, and everything we do now is is keepable until I guess release, or when release happens. So. And when is release happening? December sixteenth, I think. I think it's the sixteenth. Precisely one week after my birthday. Oh, oh, oh! You know what I want for my birthday? Uh, Jeff? What, 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 Tony? Please do tell. An ice cream cake. Oh. <laughs> I already uh, told you that. Yeah, it was last week. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's the aging memory, you know. It, it just it, the memory. The first thing to go is memory. If you don't have an ice cream cake, though, I'm sure you'll take yeah. a javelin. I would take a javelin. If somebody wanted to give me, we a all javelin would take for one birthday, for Tony's I birthday. Would take it. <laughs> I would accept it on behalf. <laughs> right? No, no. I would accept the javelin on behalf yes. of our organization, Guard Frequency, because you know there's no way in hell I'm going to crew a javelin all by myself. So if somebody wanted for my birthday to give me a javelin, I would accept it on behalf of our organization. Uh, long may we wave. What about you, Lennon? What did you do? 
I've actually been playing Star Citizen this week, Arena Commander. Um, yeah, since the since the patch with the ESP system, it is so nice to fly with the HOTUS again. Yeah, I'm just really, really enjoying it. And having used the Hornet trainer, I'm fairly certain I'm going to pick one up in the anniversary sale. Damn you, you <laughs> they know what they're doing over there. They've got, they they've got really the psychology do. of this whole thing figured out. Yeah. Yeah. Incidentally, for Tony's birthday, I will accept well, a javelin, but equally a hornet. So I'm good with either. It's my birthday, and everyone's demanding presents. It's so your birthday. Is, you can cry if you want to. <laughs> well, now that we're all cut up with the latest CIG news, it's time to learn about artificial gravity and nuggets for nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets! Greetings, Sits and Sivs, and welcome to Nuggets for Nuggets, where we like to delve deep inside the universe of Star Citizen and give you all the details from the inside out. A fair warning up front, though, this game is still in active development, so everything we say is subject to change. Especially this week, as it's mainly from the lore builder sections. It's time to learn about artificial gravity and you. You know, a day on mining station Dharma 3 is generally pretty mundane. Wake up from your assigned sleep pod, consume your chosen morning nutrients plate, and don your fitted mining gear. Head over to the asteroid fields to gather materials, all while enjoying a standard Miners Union-approved stamina and nutrients recovery session. But on rare days, some excitement outside the pre-panned sensory simulation events will happen, such as system cascade failures and pirate attacks. One result of these unplanned events is the disruption of the localized artificial gravity, or lag, systems. All Dharma-outfitted mining stations are equipped with redundant lag generators to prevent noticeable changes to gravity on mining stations. However, unplanned events such as system cascade failures and well-executed pirate attacks have been known to take all redundant lag generators offline at once, or in quick succession. When this happens, there are a few helpful tips to help you survive and prevent as much damage to corporate property as possible. First of all, if gravity lost siren sounds, store all loose tools and equipment into the specialized bolted-down bins that are secured to the floor. Depending on how closely timed the shutdown of all redundant lag generators were, there may be some time, or little time, before gravity plating powers down. The generators produce power which travel through the conduits that power the gravity plating. En route power ensures that plating will remain powered for at least some time before it turns off. Note that gravity loss may be localized if only conduits and planing is damaged, yet the generators remain active. Once tools and other corporate items are safely stored, be ready to hold on to something secure, such as the specialized bolt-down bins or the railings installed around Dharma-outfitted mining station. It is recommended that miners stay in place while Dharma Security and Engineering repairs the systems. If, however, you must move due to threats such as armed pirates, toxic gas clouds, or loss of air pressure, it is recommended to move at a slow and steady pace. Moving quickly can cause missing a grip and drifting past handholds. Moving at high speeds can cause collisions with solid objects and damage them, and possibly you. Death may also be caused by an impact at high speeds causing insurance losses for the company. When the returning gravity tone plays, be sure to be nearer to the floor as possible, or damage to corporate property or you may occur as you fall quickly to the reactivated gravity plating. However, being near the gravity plating to avoid falling isn't the only concern. 
Things above you may fall as well, such as tools that were not properly stored in the specialised bolted-down bins. Other miners, more careless than yourself, as well as the corpses of fellow miners, or Dharma security, or pirates who failed to succeed in a zero-gravity shootout that tends to happen in situations involving pirates. Also, watch out for falling vehicles that may have floated freely. Once things have returned to normal, please return to work by removing your tools from the specialized bolted-down bins. If any corpses are near your working area, please inform Dharma sanitation crews immediately. Fear not, however. Despite the lost work time, you may still take your standard Miners Union-approved stamina and nutrient recovery sessions, unless they were scheduled to happen when the loss of gravity occurred. In this case, you should take your unplanned work interruption to rest and eat, taking care to not let your nutrient plates float free. Enjoy mining at Dharma Mining Station 3. Are you new to the verse and need a bit of advice? Is there a tidbit of lore some sit or sib taught you that we all should know? Let us know by dropping us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. But for now, let's tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendly! So let's just be friendly! From our show post at GuardFrequency.com, Dalek writes in, Great show, guys. Same chemistry as Top Gear UK. Wow, thank you. I, that is a high compliment. Ooh, I have just had a brilliant an epiphany. Okay, hang on, hang on. And we have Dalek to thank for this. Lightning has struck my brain. We need to have a race lap in Aurora's. And we need to have people on and do a stone reasonably priced car. We need to do that bit with an Aurora at one of the racetracks. Still in a reasonably priced car. Oh, let me get some gumbon. Oh, and very nicely done there. Hug the what outside. are you doing? Stop that. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> no. Well, don't you like it? Don't you like my Jeremy impression? Uh, I tell you, yes, more I love power you. is what you need. He's just mad because in this setup, Jeff, you're the old man. I know. Jeff Mack, <laughs> right? So you're Jeff Mack. Yeah. James and May. I, I would be Jeremy Clarkson, Anthony right. Clarkson, and that means that Lennon is lemoned. I don't mind lemoned. being the hamster. You don't mind being the hamster? <laughs> no, that's going to get taken out of context, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Seen Richard Gere lately. <laughs> Let's carry oh. on with the feedback, shall we? Yeah, yes, and once again, Jeff, thank you for guaranteeing this segment. <laughs> Makes it into the blooper reel and not into the show proper. I think well, I think we should blame Dilek for this one. Okay, well, let me finish with Dilek's comments, and then uh, we can go on. He goes on to say, what is not to like? As a side note, Aaron Roberts, the method behind Chris's madness, not enough credit. A lot of fun to talk to, very humble, down to earth, in contact with the community, and, ha and has this energy and passion for the game that is remarkable. I'll say this game is in very good hands. I agree. I mean, if Aaron has got his hands full with the uh, seat actions and the capital ships in Squadron 42, and we have yet to see a lot of their work. But I am optimistic for it. And Sean Newboy writes in to say that the Carthol is currently his favorite ship. A nice design and superb thrust system. Too bad it was a little out of his budget. Still waiting for a ship that speaks to him at his budget. Wonderful show, everyone. <laughs> And the javelin speaks to me and it's way out of my budget. Osteron writes in and says, Great show as usual, guys. I think the Aegis Terrapin should be the next starter ship because there haven't been a lot of ships that suggest the non-combat roles are viable solo. Every other role-specific ship has been a two-seater at minimum. That said, I think uh, I understand why the Reliance winning one of the most hyped and arguably most unique features of Star Citizen is the multi-crewed ships. But to participate, you've got to drop at least 100 bucks. Being able to own both a solo ship and a multi-crew ship without going over 100 bucks by a large margin will be nice. Yeah, okay. 
I see where he's going. I think that actually a lot of our listeners reflect the majority of the community where they think that the Terrapin should win, but the Reliance seems to get the majority of the votes. Like, someone should be flying the Terrapin, just not me. I think that's really kind of what it is. That thing yeah. should be out there, but I'm not going to fly it. So it's a ship that needs to exist for, I don't know, NPC purposes maybe, but it's just that I'm not going to be real excited to do that. And Dinish Mule writes in and says, thanks for an amazing show. Happy face. Yay. From the RSI forum post, Saladin writes, Great show, guys, and great interview with Ben. I think that the Terrapin starter ship should win because it allows for a unique role for starter ships, mining aspect, and it focuses on defense, not offense. I kind of knew that the MISC would win due to the two seats and the fact that it's a MISC. They do make great ships after all, card-carrying member of the Freelancers Owners Club. Well, yeah, good one of Lennon's buddies. Wow. Yeah. It's got taste, that's yeah. all. Paladin Smeg writes in, great show as usual, guys. I think the Terrapin starter ship should win because bacon. Uh, you took our community question and filled in the blanks for us. That was my vocal representation of that. Uh, oh, and because we need less pew-pew and more non-pew-pew things to do in the game. Final random thought that bugs me every time I hear it. You guys plug STO Priority 1 and mention it's about Star Trek Online. It's great, but when Star Trek Online Priority 1 plugs Guard Frequency, they simply say, it's a pretty good show. You should check it out. They never mention what the show is about. Is it about ponies? Yes. Metric system? Yes. Radio enthusiasts? Yes. Yeah, well, they, those all things are true, yes. Uh, so you need to tell Priority 1 to mention the phrase, oh, I don't know, Star Citizen in their plug, and that way people unfamiliar with Card Frequency will actually know what it's about and may even start listening. Rant over and out. Well, Paladin Smeg, thank you for pointing that out. This feedback has been passed along to the executive producer and to the producer of Priority One, Elijah. So he will be changing the copy that I originally wrote for Priority One. So it's all my fault. Priority One listeners will know that it's a pretty good show. You should check it out. It is how every Priority One listener knows Guard Frequency is awesome. Nico Ranoff writes in and says, I think the Terrapin starter ship should win because it would bring more to the Persistent Universe than any of the other ships presented. In saying this, unfortunately, I didn't vote for the Terrapin. I voted for the Reliant originally on the basis of it possibly being an affordable option for a recon slash scout training and use in the field. Veteran pilot controls the ships, whilst learner pilot slash new player shadows in the second seat. If I could re-vote, it would without a doubt be for the Terrapin. And see, yeah, yeah again, I, I think it's that sort yeah. of, the Terrapin should win, but everybody's voting Reliant. Right. But I've got plans for a two-seater starter. Yeah, the Terrapin should be out there, but see, I, I see me in the pilot of the Reliant doing something with that second seat. I think that's that's exactly what's going on. The only sensible option, of course, is to make both of them. I agreed. The solution, we've come up with yet another solution on this show. And then they I could hope go on someone sale. CIG's listening. And then our wallets yeah, can Yeah, they can cry. sell for lots of money. Yeah. <laughs> Waltar writes in and says, What I really liked was how Ben talked about the start of the whole campaign. This just shows how Chris loves the game and made me much more enthusiastic, if that's even possible. Yeah, we, uh, we did an interview with Star Signal earlier today, me and uh, Chivalry Bean, that's going to come out. It might even be out by the time our show releases. I, I can't remember the release schedule exactly, but we talked about uh, Chris's enthusiasm. One of their co-hosts just interviewed Chris and Sandy at PAX Australia, and he talked about how Chris's enthusiasm was infectious. Well, Crow just sent a letter. Crow just sent a letter. Crow just sent a letter. I wonder who it's from? Anyway, uh, Crow writes in and says, Ah, Blue's Clues. That was my son's favorite show when he was little. Now, of course, he's all grown up and a backer in his own right. I couldn't be more Aww. proud. Yeah. Raised him right. Good job. 
I voted for the Reliant, but honestly, I think they should build all four of them, even at the expense of pushing back other ships. These are the four-door family sedans, the college student hatchback, and the equivalent of 90% of the cars that you will see on the road. There should be a lot of regular Joe and Jane pilot types flying around doing their day-to-day thing. Yeah, I agree. I think you can kind of lump the Aurora in with that lot as well, and they, they really should be the most common types of ships that you see out in the verse. As long as I can shoot down a never-ending string of space ponies, I'll be happy. (laughs) From our Guard Frequency Facebook page, Daniel Stapleford writes, I've been using a trackball for years and I never go back. Right now I'm using the Logitech M570 wireless, which I like, though it's a bit small. One thing I like about trackballs is that you don't need an area to move them around. In fact, I sometimes have it on my leg or chair arm. Yeah, I, that's that's the exact model that I have, as a matter of fact, and I love it. Stuart says, after listening to the most recent Guard Frequency podcast, I've realized two things. I really want Star Citizen out now, and the Shiv is very punny. Yes. yes, <laughs> We have is. so much pun. Stop it. <laughs> I was going to say, don't, because Shiv and First Verse on Twitter, once they get going, it's not only oh painful, but it's never-ending. It's ending. a public menace. It really is. It's a public menace. Speaking of the public menace, First First Problems writes in and says, New ringtone in Guard Freak podcast number 47 at 50 minutes and 47 seconds. Thanks, Bandit Loaf. The feature that you have listed to me will definitely be happening. Spaceborg says, a lot of people look forward to Fridays. Nowadays, I ask myself, is it Tuesday yet? Need to get the newest Guard Frequency episode. Wow. Whoa. Wow. Mm. There's there. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Space Boy, have you donated to our Patreon account yet? Let me give you the details on that. That would be patreon.com slash guardfreak. You're welcome. And from Reddit, Adontis writes in and says, Great show, guys. One thing that keeps coming up when comparing the Hornet and the Bulldog was we just don't know how X system will work yet, such as the existence of a bed or fuel range, etc., etc. I think at this point we don't have enough information to decide if there is a big enough difference between the two ships. In Arena Commander, they may behave the same due to the limited scope of the system. However, they may be night and day come the Persistent Universe. Keep up the good work, guys. I look forward to listening to you every time. Also, trackballs are terrible, terrible. Terrible things that should all be jettisoned out the cargo bay. No, 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 no. Look, you know, it's, look, 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 here's the thing. Uh, in Star Trek, there have been two alternative control systems displayed. First contact, Riker grabbed a joystick and steered the Enterprise E around. No. Insert Star Trek V, Spock grabbed a trackball to pilot a shuttle craft. Yes. Okay, that's, that, that, that's all there is to it. Spock Sorry. flying versus Riker flying. That, that's all there is to it. Sorry, there was a fifth Star Trek movie. Yeah, I know it's not. It's we don't want to speak of it, but there, you know, there are some good things that came out of it, and so, one of them was Spock who's using a trackball to fly the shuttle. What you're basically trying to say is that the trackball can only exist in something that is incredibly terrible. <laughs> no, oh saying, yes, I'm saying yes. the trackball <laughs> redeemed an otherwise irredeemable movie. I have to know though, Tony. What does God want with a trackball? <laughs> He didn't want the trackball. He wanted the starship. Now, Sulu had a handle. He had a throttle in Star Trek The Motion Picture. He had, like, this big handle where he was, like, going to warp speed. I thought that was a little out of place. But that only did warp speed, though. So it's not really a control mechanism, just a, just a throttle. From our amazing donors of monetary goodness, many thanks for our first trifecta of patrons, Saladin, Magni, and Tabascoid. Check out the giant P on the Guard Frequency page and become a patron today. And a quick reminder of this week's community question... 
Javelin. Is it something that organizations should build up before the launch of the Persistent Universe? After the launch of the Persistent Universe? Maybe somewhere in between. Let us know your thoughts by commenting on the guardfrequency.com website or on the official thread on the Robert Space Industries fansite subforum. So, how was the show? Did we aim true and set the damaged state on the Van Duel's head to ruined? Or are we spraying bullets wildly while bunny hopping? Either way, let us know. Here are some ways you can get in touch with us. Check out our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. You can leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com. You can subscribe, feeds.guardfrequency.com. Or you can just search for us on iTunes. You can hit us up on Twitter at guardfreak. Leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash guardfreak. And if you're lucky, I might just butcher your name live on the air, which I constantly do anyway, so there's a guarantee there. And if you're old school like us, shoot an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. That's S-Q-U-A-W-K at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so take a minute. Tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 48 of Guard Frequency. We are taking a week off next week for Thanksgiving, so we'll be back with episode 49 on December 9th. So be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over at GuardFrequency.com or the official Robert Space Industries fan site subform. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways we just ran down in the feedback loop, you can also use the contact form on our website. All the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us will be found in the show notes. Do you like what we do? Do you want to come and help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? Well, if so, just send a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And if you just can't get enough spaceship podcasting, check out our sister production, Priority One. They cover Star Trek Online and the greatest Star Trek universe. Just visit them at priorityonepodcast.com. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? Check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything on Saturday night, then you should really think about joining us live over at guardfrequency.com slash live. We start recording around 8 p.m. Central. That's Sundays, 2 a.m. GMT. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, our artist, Simon Charlton Edwards, and our assistant audio engineer, Michael Duncan. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit RonaldJenkins.com for more of his work, including his newest release, Alphanumeric. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. Command to 330, Carol 15. Squawk 7700. Stay on the curb. I'm just dancing. Okay. So is this where I can do my Star Trek con and and put Tony in there instead? Tony! Good. Well done. Yes, that'll make it in. That'll that'll be another button that Lemon can use over and over. I've got three now. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I like about trackballs is that you don't need an area to move them around. In fact, I sometimes have to... Uh, sometimes I have in my leg or sometimes I have it in my leg or are on my leg or in our in my armchair. <laughs> <laughs> you can you are like you're like a, a preposition dispenser like, or and in I about above amongst I sometimes have it on my leg 
on my leg or armchair. Jeff, I want you to take a deep breath. Ah. And, and I back. want you to start. Okay. From our Guard Frequency Facebook page, Daniel Stuck. La 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 la. <laughs> And from um It's this building's annual earthquake inspection, dampening support structure inspection. Too many inspections, gonna try that one again. Beep beep. How do you go, Gator, know about. Oh, God, that was the wrong voice. Uh, okay, I'm getting my. My cat is beating up on the curtains now. Hold on a second, hold on. Nerf the cat. The cat came back the very next day, or the cat came back, he wouldn't stay away, or the cat came back, would stay away. You have been listening to Musical Interlude with Jeff McCoom.